if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 166. It's a major week. This is our 2021 PGA Championship Tips and Selections episode. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss the second major championship of 2021. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Well worth checking out, Mr. Williams, I'd suggest to the uh, punters this week, our Strokes Gained Pete Die analysis that you pulled together. Mm. Absolutely top-rate stuff, and all completely free of charge. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot on there this week, actually. So you've got the, they've got the, the um, Pete Dye stats. We've also got some majors history on there going back mm. to the start of 2016. So you can check out how your fancies have performed at the major championships over the last five years, which has also gone down well again this week. So, uh, yeah, take a look. Lots on there. There are lots of golfers that do well but don't perform in majors and vice mm. versa. Um, please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. When you actually put um, your um, invite in to join the group, there's a couple of questions that you must answer, so please do that as well. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Now, you guys, as listeners, power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. It's absolutely critical. These five-star reviews are how the numbers that listen, the download numbers, increase, because effectively, Apple Podcasts give us more airtime in terms of their um, recommended podcast so please leave us your five star reviews i've got i've got one here five stars it's entitled bent bermuda and bombs a great listen <laughs> it starts can't leave out poana and paspalum have enjoyed barry paul and steve since early 2018 listening on my commute on tuesdays and wednesdays love the content and discussion amongst the gents providing sound research, brackets, both historical and current, for the Euro and PGA tours. Incorporating these guys' advice into my own DK lineups and now betting, open brackets, legal in Virginia, close brackets, is well worth it. Looking forward to another Bronson Bagoon like take leading to more profits. Thank God, thanks, guys, and cheers. The next pint is on me, and that is from Invader Dave, and he's in ex- Alexandria in Virginia. Brilliant stuff. Awesome. Thank you very much, Dave. 
I wish I could write a review like that. My review would be, oh, yeah, it's really good. I've had a, it's a really good listen, thanks. You have, you have to wait until the uh, till the words are flowing, Steve. Get into that, uh, get into that flow, and let, let the let, let the words just come out. You have read his weekly like tips page. That's kind of long. <laughs> Steve doesn't do short and snappy. He just he likes the novels versus the short stories. I'm already I'm all, I'm always worded out. It's these tips you read, isn't it? It's like oh, I fancy Ricky Fowler this week. He's 150 to one. He's got a special exemption, and I'm just saying that his game's turning for the good. He's much better than that price. I'm not going to sound like that later on in the pod. Come on. <laughs> should we talk about last week? Yeah. Where, where, it, where yeah. should we start? Should we talk? Let's talk. Um, let's talk the Belfry. Mm. A very quick, quick conversation. Um, it was great, absolutely fantastic, in terms of. Would you ever think that that guy was going to win that tournament at the start of the week? No. No, well... What know, price was he? 125s in that kind of bracket. He's one of those players that you look at statistically and sometimes pops up as you work through your numbers and it's almost an instant line because he just doesn't win. 478 attempts that took to get himself over the line, but... Uh, it was great to see. I, I really, I really enjoyed the Sunday. I must say, and it, it was. You, you could see how popular and how um, inspiring that was to so many people, um, by the kind of the emotional outburst that you saw at the end. You know, Tim Barter, who's his um, his coach, was virtually in tears while he was interviewing him at the end, and the, the rest of the Sky team were they were all <laughs> virtually blubbing as well, weren't they? And he was, he's obviously. A, Massively popular, the, the outpouring of support and congratulations on social media from all over the world, from every you know every side of, uh, of golf was fantastic to see. And uh, at the age of forty-eight, Richard Bland, congratulations! That was a fantastic effort, and uh, you know I, I don't think anyone would have de- denied him at the end. It was um, it was it was his tournament to win, so. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant it was story. it was super. It was. I mean, there was a little bit of a tear in the eye when I was watching it myself. It was I, just. It's such a great example of like perseverance, and you know, things don't always happen at the time you might expect them to. And no. I mean, just to be able like to get it after that long of trying was um, just. It was so good to see, um, and the the fi- and just and, and a perfect example of the fine margins that exist in golf in, in in any given week, but particularly for him this week, like his drive on eighteen, mm. that carried by probably two three foot maximum to get yeah. the, just to carry the hazard. Like that, little things like that are just incredible, and and that, those are the differences each and every week. Yeah. No, it's. Um, I, th- I think you've got to roll with that, haven't you? You've got you've got to take your you know your slices of luck as they come come along, and uh, yeah. the the putt that you made in regulation on the eighteenth. Wow. Was, uh, was, that's yeah. You know, ultimately, that was the winning putt, wasn't it? You know, it was a thirty footer. He, he knew how important that was at the time, and uh, it's uh, it, it wasn't going to be denied in the playoff. Which, I can't uh, believe he did an interview between finishing <laughs> his round and the playoff. Oh, <laughs> But like yeah, it, 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 it all worked moment. out. Yeah, it did well. I mean, kiss of death for his opponents. <laughs> it worked yeah. for him. Yeah. Up, up, to right. up to one hundred and thirty-four in the world golf rankings now. Richard Bland. Yeah, and uh, you know his exemption now a couple of years, which is massively important for mm. for him. That will take him up to the senior tour. Should he 
choose to go that way, but uh, I think from his own career and personal perspective, that's you know that that's that's the one off the bucket list, effectively, isn't it? It's, it's what he's been fighting for for the last twenty odd years. No, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I had Beef, who actually Beef started one behind um, Richard Bland on Sunday, so had he managed to put together a decent final round, he could have got himself in the frame, particularly with ten places being played, but. It wasn't to be. You had um, Adrian Moronk, Barry, didn't you? So that was yeah, a nice, uh, nice, nice each way power. 80 to 1 was a good each way payout. Mm. Unfortunately, he left his uh, attempt to tie the clubhouse lead in regulation just a little bit short. But yeah, yeah. Um, what, what more can you ask for from an 80 to 1? Yeah, no, no, it's, no, it's, a, it's a, a decent, decent return on that bet. So, so well done. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it overall. wasn't good from a betting perspective, but uh, we move on. We promised birdies over in Texas, and we sure got them. Mm. That was that was uh, K H Lee, the victor, twenty five under par. And it was in that, that golf course, it was actually blowing 20 and 25 miles an hour Saturday and Sunday, and they're still firing in 63s, Pat and Kazire on uh, Sunday. Just shows you how for the taking that golf course was. Um, KH Lee deserved winner, I thought. Yeah. Um, his, 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 his start on Sunday was, was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Was it like five birdies in seven at the start? Yeah. Yeah, it it it, re- it really crushed the crushed my spirit when I saw him going off, just getting off to such a hot start because I had two in the hunt, chasing him. Yeah. Swartzel and Power. You had we had, we both had Swartzel in the final group, who started mm. slowly while KH Lee was just firing birdies for fun, and sh- mm. I think Swartzel at one point was like six behind, within like five or six holes. Um, but yeah, you also had Seamus Power as well, didn't you? I did, yeah, and had a phenomenal start to his round and I think it was the 13th that got him or 13th or 14th where he made an unfortunate drove in a bunker could only advance it a bit then got it to the fringe and then took three to get down and yeah I mean at that stage of the tournament you weren't even allowed to make a bogey if you wanted to stay in contention for the win and uh, unfortunately a double and then followed up by a bogey on the next hole which I don't like I mean you can't even blame him for because he had a 21 footer on the next hole so he clearly went for it um, sorry, apologies to the listeners for clearly if you're playing the drinking game. Um, he uh, yeah he, he he rammed it a bit by trying to make trying to make back a shot. Um, so you gotta love that about him. He's, he's getting closer all the time, and hopefully hopefully he stays uh, under the radar in terms of price because I, th- I think there's a win coming soon enough. He's adding little pieces yeah. to the jigsaw or to the puzzle every time he gets out there and. That'll be a good one for him, um, ultimately, even though he, I'm sure it stings a little bit. I think at a low-scoring event, I don't think he's particularly grasped, is he? I, I think he can perform on Bermuda and on Bent. Uh, I don't think he minds a bit of Bent mixed with Poe as well. So at one of these events, um, I don't know, like a Barracuda with a stable modified stable foot or something like that, you could see Power um, having a great chance. It just just shows you the money in the PGA Tour for that ninth T T nine. He got two hundred twelve thousand mm. dollars finishing in ninth place. Seamus Power. So that's not a bad check, is it? That'll do. It was interesting. <laughs> Sam Burns. I put out on Twitter on Friday when Burns was just you know shooting lights out. Who was the last player to win their maiden PGA Tour event and then win consecutive PGA Tour events? And Dave Tyndall came back to me 
and he said David Dubavow did it back in oh, '98 or something like that because he tipped him up for both apparently. Oh my God! And then someone said, "No, no, 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 no! <laughs> don't, don't forget Spider Man. Camillo Vajegas did it." Yeah, in the playoffs. He did. He did it in the playoffs, yes. Back in 2008, mm. he he won his first PGA Tour event at the BMW at Cog Hill. And then the outing later just went off and won the Tour Championship. Yeah. What, what, what two, if you want two tournaments to win the first titles on the PGA Tour, they're not bad, are they? PGA, the BMW and the Tour Championship. Kind of lucrative as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Camillo. He's he's finding he some form recently. Camillo. So it's good to see him back. He must have jumped a fair few slots in the uh, world ranking after those two wins. Oh, I bet he did. So I landed Svartzel. I was a bit disappointed, really, because I had Svartzel up there. I had Jordan Spieth up there. I also had Schnedeker was kind of fishing about. Could have got an each way return at ninety to one. And I just ended up with the I ended up with the sixty six to one each way on uh, Svartzel, but um, be 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 thankful for small mercies is why I say I, I was a bit. I mean, Spieth, you just expect him to get to a top of a leaderboard and hang around, and he kind of did, but he he, he had two good rounds and two not so good rounds. Is so, that not about the perfect kind of almost the perfect up. week before uh, mm-hmm. event? Got himself up there. Just lost that little bit of touch at the very top and knows it would require some really special effort. So you just keep playing. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you're not going to you know, lose your mind. And look, off he goes to the PGA Championship with a win and a pretty good week under his belt. I couldn't really draw a line too much for him this week. He's eighth for, eighth for strokes gained approach. Uh, he was also 8th for strokes gained tee to green. It was the putter. I mean, he was 45th for strokes gained putting, which at a putting contest, like that ended up was... Yeah, let's let's be frank. You know, moving on to the PGA Championship, if you're looking at the top of the market, um, I would have quite a few beneath Jordan Spieth in my pecking order. Yeah. And he's available right now at 16 to 1. Yeah. It's just whether ultimately... The conditions, the length of the course. I mean, it's all up for debate, isn't it? So, should we should we actually crack on with this? Should we crack on with the PGA yeah. Championship? Now, as I do with all the majors, I will refer listeners to our research podcast, which went out at the end of last week. So, it's the episode before this, where we go into over an hour's detail about the course, trends, what you need to be looking for in terms of PGA Championship winners winning odds and the like. Um, we'll just skirt over, we'll just you know, kind of talk through slightly some of the detail right now. But if you want more detail, there's plenty more detail, the previous episode of the podcast. I also did a video on our YouTube channel. So there's another half an hour of PGA Championship research content there as well. We're playing the Ocean Course. We're playing Kiowa Island. 2012 PGA Championship was played here. The 1991 Ryder Cup, if you go way back. They also played a couple of World Cups here. Won by Ireland, which I think was Harrington and Paul McGinley. Yep. And South Africa, Rory Sabatini and Trevor Immelman. They won those particular World Cups that were played here. It's a Pete Dye design. 
Other peat dye designs are Plentiful, Austin Country Club, Crooked Stick, Harbour Town, TPC Sawgrass, TPC River Highlands, and there's a couple more, but Whistling Straits, where they played the 2010 PGA, won by Martin Keimer, and the 2015 PGA, won by Jason Day. Uh, Jordan Spieth was second in that one, Baron, by the way. So, you know, if you're, looking, if you're looking at a coastal golf course that was crazy long and played par 72, that's not a bad uh, look in, is it, Whistling Straits? He's not short off the tee anymore, guys. He can, he can nudge it out there far enough. He's fairly straight as well these days, yeah. isn't he? He's not as crooked as he was. That's, that's the whole point, I think. His driving's a lot better. Which unlocks um, his irons and approach play. As, yeah, absolutely. And across my last eight weeks, with the trackers, uh, strokes gain approach... Strokes gain total, Jordan Speed tops the lot. Mm. So, yeah. They're, like I said, there's worse 16 to 1. This idea that uh, Rory McElroy is going to kind of walk it and no one else at the top of the market is going to get involved, I'm not so sure. I think I think Spieth... I can't see Spieth not being involved. I really can't. Uh, I haven't tipped him up, though, so that's given him a really good chance, I expect. <laughs> <laughs> the golf course itself, this is all you'll hear all week. 7,876 yards. It is the big, longest major championship venue of all time. Now... Whether the course plays to that yardage from the tips every day, of course it won't. Each hole has six tees per uh, six tee options. So Kerry Haig, he can tinker as much as he wants with the format, dependent on wind, direction of wind, what scoring he kind of wants. But what, one thing you'll always say about Kerry Haig, he's not overly bothered about defending par. I don't think he always says in an interview scores doesn't really interest him. He just wants the course to put on the right kind of show, the right kind of show that's the right balance between being able to score but also putting up a stern major championship test. And you've got to say most PGA championships are pretty perfect for that. Yeah, they're they're entertaining, right? And yeah. I think I think over the last few years in particular, he just has the balance really right and doesn't try to uh, fight what nature is kind of saying the course should play like. It, it yeah. feels that way anyway. Um and yeah, it, I mean, they might not be the ones you remember in 15, 20 years time, but when you think back on them, they're generally quite entertaining and competitive as a, as a product. And I suppose it's just because the PJ Tour is probably the, the fourth in the rankings of the majors for most people that it just doesn't stick out as much as the others would. Yeah, 10, 10 under 12 under is the normal fare, isn't it? Somewhere in that kind of bracket for, for a PJ championship. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see something kind of similar again this week, really. I've got to say, it's a beast of a course. It is, I mean, I've counted up over uh, 10 holes where the approaches will be over 200 yards. <laughs> the majority of the guys, you know, and most of the others are 175 to 200. Yeah. It's, you know, you've got to be a long iron player here, undoubtedly. Um, PGA Championships also have a history for me when you look into the detail. You know, big, big drivers tend to win them. Kepka, JT, he was eighth for deep driving distance. The week prior to winning at um, Quail Hollow, so he was giving it a good bang. Jason Day, McElroy, you know, these these are got McElroy twice, even Keegan Bradley. Bradley could get it out there. He was fifth the week for driving distance the week before at Akron, before then finally winning at Atlanta Athletic. Big, big drivers of the golf ball. 
Um, ultimately, I think uh, yeah, we we all make a we all make our stance, don't we? I think ultimately that was what I mean. I've been on speed all year, really supporting him and backing him. I I I I don't see a situation where Spieth isn't in the mix. I I just on on a on a long the longest golf course in major championship history. For me, I cannot see um, a medium to short hitter winning this. I think ultimately a a bigger longer hitter will take the top step. I'm not saying that short players can't contend. You look at 2012. There was a lot of short hitters in in here. The golf course itself, let's just quickly go on to that and then we'll talk weather. I know it's a bit difficult to talk weather on a Tuesday. We're recording this Tuesday UK time in the morning. But Paspalum, Paspalum golf course. Paspalum. Um, I don't think it's going to play overly fast. I don't think Paspalum can. Um, the course itself, there's about five or six holes that just run down the coast. It's almost like a figure of eight. There's, t- there's, t- there's like um, they head to the east, east end of the island first for the front nine, and then the west end for the second nine, and the and the the actual um, clubhouse is right smack bang in the middle of the two, like a figure of eight effectively. And what you tend to get here are prevailing easterlies or westerlies. They, uh, I've had conversations with people that live locally who've played the course. You don't tend to get north or south winds here. It tends to be either due east or um, or southwesterly kind of winds, westerly, and that makes the course play different because of this figure of eight shape, dependent yeah. on that wind. For me, when you look at the holes, they're long. Um, there's a lot of hazards off the tee. The, the actual fairways fairways are wide. Anything up to fifty yard wide. Now to put that into context, if we, if you got if people were watching Quail Hollow a couple of weeks ago, um, the the fairways at Quail Hollow, which again is another major venue, are thirty to thirty two yards wide. These fairways can be up to fifty yards wide. So we're talking kind of Kapalua in terms of their width. The the um, the opening tournament of the season. They then have a strip of Bermuda grass, rough, which is overseeded with rye grass, up to three and a half inches. So there's plenty of rough there. If they then go the, or if they then go further than that rough, you are into all manner of terrain, um, most of which is sand-based or marsh-based. <laughs> so you can be in mud, you can be in water, you can be in fescue up to your waist, or you can be on sand dunes, in sand pits, and God knows what. I think we're going to get plenty of shots of players in all manner of trouble off the tee this week. But it doesn't... I don't think it's a major chore with relatively low wind to be hitting 60 65% of fairways. Not at that width, no, no. It's when the wind blows, I expect, that it really starts to push players offline and that's when the fun and games really start. There's a fantastic quote as well in my research preview. Again, I've got a, I've got a, both a tips um, preview and a research preview, both available at Golf Betting System. Ernie L said, um, if you can get guys that can... Ca- I mean, this is back then when the course was, I think, 150, 200 yards shorter than this. He said there's a many, quite a few holes where if you can carry 320, you've got a huge advantage. Because you, you're basically getting yourself a, a, across the bunker defences. 
into territory where your 280, 290, 300 carry hitters can't get to. There, there's plenty of forced layups, which yeah. if you're very long, you can get over. So there's additional 200 yards of added on is simply to keep that. Yeah, it's, the, the equation is the same, but it's to try and keep up with that tech, isn't it? I don't think yeah. they've overly moved the bunkers; they've moved those the, the tees back. back yeah, 10, 20 yards. Yeah. Uh, I read one report saying that I think there's a tee box now. It's literally they they went right back. They went to the fence that's onto the beach to get as much yardage on that particular hole as they could. Yeah, <laughs> not within an inch. They, they couldn't go back any further. <laughs> But, and we say this all the time, coastal golf courses, you know, they, this is not a Lynx golf course. Let's get that out there as well. It is not a Lynx golf course. It's got, of course, it looks Lynxy, but as Rory McIlroy said in 2012, this is a kind of faux Lynx. It's a, it's a, it's a basically a very long American golf course that's situated by the coast. It has to be attacked aerially. And Barry, you pointed out in the research podcast, and it's very, very true. A lot of these greens, A, have defences in front of them. That can be bunkers, but that can also be dunes and, and, and creeks and whatever. But also, a lot of these greens are elevated. So they're actually way above the fairway, and they've got runoff areas all around them. So if you if you don't commit to the shot and you're bailing out, you you've got some very very awkward chips up huge steep banks to the green surface. Um, I so again that to me points to a typical PGA Championship where you've got for me it's it's, it's length, it's it's approach height, it's also the ability to to get those approaches to stop on pretty small targets. They're six thousand square feet seashore paspalum greens which actually, for the length of this course, isn't a lot. The defence of this course, as ever, the true defence of this course, is the weather. And we're recording this on Tuesday, as I say, UK morning. But I have to say, I've been keeping my eye on this wind forecast. I'm using the Surf Song Kiro Island weather uh, station on Windfinder, which is by far the best um, weather forecasting tool I've found over the years and they're saying Thursday um, we've got we've got gusts up to 13 miles an hour in the afternoon which I think the players will feel Friday nothing more than 10 miles an hour Saturday at the moment late in the day you might get something like 12 miles an hour of wind the wind direction does change actually it starts as an east it starts as that prevailing easterly on Thursday that's the wind that's standard here Friday it's becoming more southeasterly and then on Saturday the wind that there is is actually a southerly wind which will create a lot more cross wind situations if that wind gets stronger from the south watch out the the day that looks the windiest is the closing day Sunday where we're looking at winds, and the players will definitely feel this, up to 20 miles an hour for the for the championship starters at the end of the round. Yeah. That wind is then, believe it or not, a southwesterly. So the wind's kind of just varying throughout the tournament, which I think is great. Makes the course play differently throughout. That, to me, though, just looking at the course, looking at the PGA Championship history, looking at that wind, if that happens, and we're also dealing with very warm conditions. This isn't an open. 
24 degrees, 25 degrees, 27 degrees and 28 degrees Celsius. So the ball is going to fly. It's going to fly a long way. I, I think it's that standard mid-score PGA Championship 15, 16 under wins this. That's, that's where I'm pitching my 10. I don't think this is single digits in any way, shape or form. In fact, I said this on my... Um, on the golf betting show yesterday, I think that the scoring at Wells Fargo, which was single digit winning, will be tougher than this week's PGA Championship in terms of winning score. Mm. So that's where we're at, really. Yeah, it all depends on Sunday, I suppose, in terms of how windy that really gets as to whether the scoring gets away. But it's, as I said a few minutes ago, it's, it, it tends to be. You know they don't like a single-digit winning score, do they? It's, it's something low, low double digits, which is often the, uh, the the winning line for a US PGA Championship. And what was Rory thirteen under when he won it back mm-hmm. in twenty twelve? So he did win by eight, mind, but yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lap the field. Yeah, this uh, this notion that it's all got to be Europeans, short hitters. Um, yeah. You do look at that, you know, there were a lot of short hitters, but the wind was a lot more in play that week. You've yeah. got to look at uh, this course is all about the defence in terms of the, the elements. Um, there's been no rain here. This course won't play as soft as it did. Um, there's no rain in the forecast. It's going to be a little bit firmer, but as we always say, you look at pa- Paspalum golf tournaments around the world, it just never, ever becomes, they can't get it as firm as you, you would see with bent grass, for example. just doesn't happen. Again, I think that's an advantage to the potentially to the, uh, to the bigger hitters as well. They can, just, they can fly the ball in at great height and bring the ball in. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I just think 15, 16, something like that. I mean, if the wind really blows on the Sunday, you might find that, that wherever the leaders have got to doesn't move forward, if you see what yeah. I mean, the scoring. So that's where I'm at, really. Anything to add around the course before we talk talk individuals? No, I don't think so. Not from my side. No, no. There's there's so much content out there uh, to, to, to digest on the course, and there's a great video by the Fried Egg all over yep. Twitter and then uh, on Andy's yeah, website yeah. as well, which is a Fantastic. nice flyover of the course. Uh, Average winning price of the PGA Championship since 2010 is 51 to 1. Colin Morikawa last year, we were on him 35 to 1. 11 to 1, um, Brooks Kepka, we were on him. 2018 was Brooks Kepka's first victory, 20 to 1. Thomas was 45s, coming off pretty rough form in 2017 at Quail Hollow. The outlier is Jimmy Walker, 150 to 1 for the Codfather, I remember that. And then 2015 was day at 14s. McElroy 5 to 1 favourite. Duffner was a 40 to 1 shot. McElroy 20 to 1. Keegan Bradley 175 to 1. In a maiden PGA Tour season, he won the PGA Championship. Mm. Martin Keimer 55 0 to 1. Now, I put just in front of my tips this week winning prices in the PGA Championship can, be very, uh, can vary significantly. You do get short prices like McElroy winning as favourite. He won here at 20 to 1. Jason Day was a, close to the top of the market at 14 to 1 as well. Brooks Kepka 11 to 1, joint favourite, and 20 to 1. But then you've got the juicier prices Morikara at 35s, JT at 45s, Duffner at 40. So eight of the last nine PGA championships have been won 
at 45 to 1 or less. Worthy of no. Y.E. Yang, Keimer, Bradley, Jason Day, Jimmy Walker, Justin Thomas, Duffner and Colin Morikawa were all first-time major winners. So I worked that through as 60, oh, two-thirds two of PGA Championship winners since 2009 have won their first ever major here, which I think yeah, is an interesting it, angle. It is, the, it is the major that tends to throw up the, the first-time major championship winners, particularly over the last, uh, as you said, what, last 10, 12 years or so. Takes an opportunity for some of the uh, some of the youngsters. I'll go to the top of the betting board. Um, I was right again last week. My fade. Who was your fade of the week, Paul? Uh, I know you, we don't we don't like talking fades. Yeah, you were getting a bit jittery at one point, weren't you, Danny? Because <laughs> all of all of a sudden he was playing like Willick from twenty fifteen. Steve, I get a bit jittery every time I say fade of the week. <laughs> as soon as I say their name, I might as well go and back them because I know yeah. they're going to start. A one, like a a one out of one hundred and fifty-six chance, and you get worried. Yeah. <laughs> I think I put. I, I said the same about uh, Eddie Petball a couple of weeks before that, and he was absolutely flying. And yeah. Anyway, I'm quite excited about this week because I think you can make cases against most of the market leaders. Rory McIlroy's Rory McIlroy. He he won clearly last time out. He played some fantastic golf. Um, beat a decent field. Is he the rightful favourite? I probably suggest he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Eleven to one's the biggest price out there right now with William Hill. I wouldn't put you off Rory. My major concern with Rory, and I know that Barry did say last week that he wasn't bothered about it in terms of Rory wasn't. He was just going for pure distance at Quail Hollow. He was very errant off the tee. And if you spray it here, you're in trouble. That was my concern with Rory. But I don't... Yeah. Uh, the, other, the other point of fact is, he hasn't won a major since 2014. And I don't care who you are. That must play on your mind slightly. But um, I wouldn't put anyone off McElroy. I personally don't like John Rahm this week. He would be one of my fades of the week. I just don't... Something's missing with Rahm. Whether it's you know anti-baby swag or whatever that is, and he did move to Callaway, it just hasn't clicked yet for John Rahm. And I know when you look at a spreadsheet and you look at statistics, John Rahm is always a must-back. I mean, I, I foolishly backed him at the Masters and he did very little, but I think you know circumstances didn't help him there with the birth of the baby, blah 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 blah. Mm. But for me, I don't fancy Rahm this week. So he's looked a bit angry again, hasn't he? Over the it's, last, it's few not years. it's not right. He's not getting enough yeah. sleep. Yeah, it could Barry. It could be simple factors like that, or you know, the, the fatherhood is is playing on his mind a little bit in terms of you know, kind of splitting his, um, his priorities. I guess you know, there's 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 so many different factors that uh, that happen at that point in a, a player's life. Um, it can be positive, and we've talked about the nappy factor, you know, many a time. Or you know, it may just take some take some getting getting used to more than anything. Yeah, he's just, he's just looked a bit. Yeah, it's not right. Bit, bit, bit of angry John back in the, uh, back in the. Yeah, floor. and you, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him get right up there in the mix. But I kind of feel the same that it's just something's just missing to to feel like a, a shout for him to win would be um, a good one. I'm always kind of the other thing with John Ron Rahm is, and this again is a guy that tipped him up at ridiculously short price at the Masters. 
The shortest price first-time major winner we've had since 2016 was Dustin Johnson at 16-1. to 1. It just doesn't tend to happen that often. And, you know, Ram is so good that he goes off at crazy short odds every week. Jordan Spieth, I wouldn't put anyone off Spieth. My my, my major concern with Spieth is, the, is just a slight lack of length, potentially. But with his Open Championship history and the way that he's striking the ball right now, I think Spieth will undoubtedly be a factor. The other two, the, the other three at the top of the market, I've got not a lot of interest in. You know, when you look at a seven eight seven thousand nine hundred yard golf course, you instantly think Bryson's going to rip it to shreds. But his game is, and, and I know he's one of these guys that finds things very quickly. But his approach play right now just isn't the approach play of a PGA Championship victor. It just isn't. When you look at history and what players traditionally do, you know, he's 41st for greens in regulation last week. That's not turning me on. Yes, he dominated off the tee, you know, but he does everywhere. He was first for strokes going off the tee in the, at um, TPC Grey Grange. I know that Grey Grange you know, isn't the best of warm-ups, really. Um, but he was 87th for strokes gained on approach. And that backed up 150th for strokes gained approach at Quail Hollow. That is not the approach play of a PGA Championship winner. No, no. I mean, in old money, it was always greens and regulation you'd yep. look at for this you got it. event. It's and, just, uh, just, it's just not right. That isn't right. You know, Bryson doesn't win with those numbers. He's, no, he's, he's going to have to have a very much improved um, approach game this week if he's going to going to contend and ultimately win. You've got JT, who, having backed him at Quail Hollow and watched pretty much every hole he played, is in all sorts of trouble with the putter. And when we say all sorts of trouble, he's not even, it's not just, it's not kind of one area with the putter. You know, it's not as if he's just missing short putts. He, he, he is missing short putts, and then you'll find he's three putting all the time as well. Yeah, um, and awesome. it seems to be seriously dragging him down mentally as he's playing. He's, you know, in times gone past, he's been such a strong putter. And, you know, statistically, you look through some of his putting performances, uh, you know, even even back in the last season. And, you know, rarely is he outside the top places in terms of, um, you know, raw putting average on the week. But but you're right. I You know, I've, I've followed a lot of his play over the last few weeks. And, you know, he's, he's three putting from 30 or 40 feet, you know, put, putting it 10 feet past. And, the confidence is just not there with the uh, the return parts. It's uh, it's it's an odd one. When he gets it right, his long long game, as you pointed out, when you backed him um, a week or so ago, is is absolutely spot on. But a lot a lot of PGA Championship winners, Paul, you're spot on. A lot of PGA Championship winners as well. They come with momentum, and it, that's not even necessarily a great finish. The year he won at Quail Hollow, he finished twenty eighth. But he'd started off 53rd, 40th, then he 34th and ended 28th. He actually shot 67 on round four, which was yeah. in the top nine best in the field at the Bridgestone invitation. There is no momentum at the moment. So that, for me, great player. I'm one of his favourite you know, supporters. But you know, when you're looking at the top of the market, I'm not in on JT. And Dustin Johnson, again, world number one. Just struggling at the moment, struggling with his game. Didn't bother to play the Byron Nelson last week. Said he was injured, even though he was doing somersaults off his yacht just outside of where he lives in Florida. <laughs> Doesn't seem overly interested. Now, whether that makes him a dangerous animal, you could suggest that. 
18 to 1 is a fantastic price on Dustin Johnson. But winners of the PGA Championship inevitably play an event either the week before. Um, I'm looking for I'm looking for great form leading up. He hasn't played since RBC Heritage, and you know. This is what excites me. I think there's lots of players further down with bigger prices that got much better chances than a lot of these players. Yep. And I know that you're in concurrence as well, both of you two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, apart from Rory at the top, which I've already stated that I'm on anti-post, who um, I'll stick with. Um, but yeah, other than that, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking a long way down. What there. a great bet, though. You're on him at 20 to 1. Or was it 22 yeah, I, yeah, to 1? Got him a twenty-one on the exchange and yeah. eighteen to one, but also with one of the bookies as well. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm quite happy to stick with that. I think you know if, if he was that price in the market now, I think um, everyone would be all over him. Stuff like when did you physically? He wouldn't did be that price in the market though. That's the thing. No. Yeah. When did you physically back him? Was it after a couple of birdies on the Friday at Quail? Uh, it was uh, on the exchange. I got him on Thursday as no, no. So it was Friday. Yeah, when he started to started to show some yep. signs of improvement, okay. and um, yeah, there was still a bit of eighteen to one hanging around on the Saturday. So I thought well, I'd take that as well. Um, just it just felt too long because if he if he went on to win, which actually you know he did do, then um, his price was inevitably going to be cut down to something really quite short. So so yeah, I, I'm quite happy to stick with that. I mean. <laughs> Back to back to winning form, of course. Um, I I know what you're saying about he's he's not got a major since 2014, and you know I, I think things have changed a little bit now. He's a father now, isn't he? He's into his thirties. Um, yeah, he's got he's got a recent win back under his belt. I think he could push on from here and uh, you know have have a a second resurgence, you know, a, a top level resurgence, you know, a world number one potential resurgence over the next few years. Is, uh, is how I see his game. You know, it, it, clearly focusing on his co- the coaching side of it, and uh, you know, it means business going forward. Um, it'll be a big test. It'll be a big indicator this week as to where his game is because a little bit more width off the off the tee. Um, as you said, he was he's missing a bit of quail, but you're talking about fairways here that are twice as wide. Oh yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. So um, you got that. You got the fact that he absolutely lapped the field last time as well. So so yeah, you know, I, I don't. Think there's a great deal more needs to be said, but but Rory, um, I'm I'm with you. Towards the top of the market, the only one that I would be vaguely interested in is Spieth. Yeah, um, I can't go anywhere near someone like JT because, no. uh, you know, as I just said, you, you look, you, you follow any of his rounds, and it's just um, it's a tale of woe. So, if you're yeah. playing, have you got the DraftKings numbers handy at any point? One of one of you, because um, Rory's. Rory heads the market, doesn't he? I know that for a fact. It'd just be interesting to see where Spieth in there. What kind of discount you're getting on Spieth out of the top six? Yeah. Um, that's that. I'm with you. I, personally, I'd, I'd I'd be backing Spieth and probably um, if if I was going for a situation where I want, don't want to take the most expensive man on the board, I'd be taking Spieth for sure. Out of the out of the big six. Yeah, that's where, yeah. That's where I'd be. And bear in mind the, um, the drafting. DraftKings numbers came out uh, a I little did. bit earlier, so um, yeah, ten thousand one hundred for Spieth. So he's what one, two, three. He's the sixth favourite in that. So he's so. actually the cheapest of the big six. Well, yeah, I'd, that, I'd be putting Spieth in my line. Yeah, with with JT at eleven thousand three hundred. So JT in that respect is the second favourite in terms of DraftKings prices. So um, <sighs> yeah, I, I know which way I'd be going if I were picking between those two for my team. So I think my official fade of the week is John Rahm. 
but there's quite a few at the top I'm not actually that happy with. Um, so, greens in regulation, some decent strokes gained approach numbers, something I'm looking for. I'm looking for guys that can hit the ball a long way. I'm looking for some guys with some momentum. I and, and uh, lended, or, and, oh, well, let's start again. I ended <laughs> up falling. Oh, no. Xander. Not, not the whole podcast, please. <laughs> yeah. Xander I plumped for. I can't believe I'm sitting here right now. Xander is still available at 22 to 1 this morning. And that's what I backed him at. I thought he'd be more. I thought people would be more interested in Xander this week. I think you're actually getting a, a bit of a discount on Xander over some of the silly prices. I think he went off at the Masters last year, November at fourteen to one. Yeah. But you said this to me, Barry. I mean, even as a kind of insurance each way bet, it's never a bad thing with him, is it? It's ridiculous. It's it seven each way payouts across his last fifteen majors. And there's also some open championship history in there that I like, which yeah. you don't see with the likes of Justin Thomas, for he example. Derek Carnoustie and Frankie He was won. second at Carnoustie, yeah. Went out in the final group with Jordan Spieth. It's not as if he can't play Lynx golf. No, and but you said this wasn't a Lynx golf course. It's, it's Lynx, no, though, in got, the wind. He can play in got the, the wind. Vis- you've got the visual yeah. side of it, and there's yeah, the yeah. wind element, yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing is, like, we all know that Xander should win more than he does, or we expect him to win more than he does. But if he keeps putting himself in the mix like he does, I mean, you know, one, one of these times you would think that things will go his way or other players might fall away and it, or he might just go out and just grab it and uh, it can happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said a couple of weeks ago or last week, I'm with you on Xander. It's just, uh, it seems like a very wise insurance bet almost. He had that kind of perfect... I mean, we mentioned Spieth at Byron Nelson. Sanders was pretty perfect, as well as a build-up. 14th. He actually shot a... I think he made the cut by one. And then he shot a 68 on Saturday, which was the fourth, tied fourth best round of the day. And then he actually got himself into the top five on the leaderboard on Sunday... And doing what Xander does, he's not really interested where he finishes. He just wants to win. He, he went crazy on the 17th, made double rather than, you know, going. He went for the pin rather than the middle of the green. And uh, he finishes double bogey. So I think that's helped his price this week. 14th place finish when it could easily have been a top five. What would you have got if he'd have finished in the top five? Closer to 18s, maybe? Yeah. I just think he's right. He's got a bit of momentum from that weekend at Quail. Um, some of the numbers on my eight-week trackers are incredible. Second for greens in regulation. That's not bad for a PGA Championship winner over the last eight weeks. Second for greens in reg. He's first for putting average, putts per GIR. Um, he's also fourth for tee to green over the last eight weeks and second for strokes gained current form over the last eight weeks. He's in the top 30 for driving distance across the whole season, so he can get it way out there if he wants to. And he's second for par 5 birdie or better, which on a 7,800-yard par 72, when um, those par 5s can be very important, I don't think that's a bad stat either. So Xander's in for me. As you said, he just keeps putting himself in major winning positions, doesn't he? What What's to say he won't do the same this week? 
No, and if you keep picking him up at that kind of price um, and he keeps converting and each way you pay out at that kind of price over time, then you will end up ahead of the game. As we said, since 2009, eight first-time major winners have won the PGA Championship. That's 66%. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Xander this week and I certainly wouldn't be surprised if it was Victor Hovland. I've lumped on Victor two points each way, 25-1. to one. I got nine places each way, both on Xander and Hovland at William Hill. I just think he's got the perfect game for this golf course. Mm. Likes a bit of pasplum. Two PGA Tour victories, Paul. Mm. Both on pasplum greens. Both body pa- post. Pasplum golf courses, yeah. Puerto Rico and Mexico. I don't think, you know, that 28 degrees temperature that's nice and warm seems to like that mm. grew up you know went to Oklahoma State wind isn't going to be an issue when you went to Oklahoma University that's just like windy city around there um, I just the thing that I've actually really liked about Victor is and you can read this in my tips it's the way that he's tightened up that short game this year He's up 71 spots for scrambling. He's up 72 spots for around the green. He's up 49 spots for strokes game putting, which were all of his weaknesses. I mean, that's pretty, pretty strong for a guy that we know can drive the ball very long, very straight, and his iron play is top rate. Yeah, it's always been the weakness, isn't it? And if he's starting to plug that gap with his short game, then he's going to be a very dangerous animal over the next few years. He's um he's incredible he's he's in he's actually in the last eight weeks ranking in the top twenty five for strokes gained around the green, which is his weakness. Yeah. And I think I caught a number where was he oh yeah, he's in the top ten. Um uh, what is the number I'm trying to find? I think he's in the top ten in my um scrambling stat as well. Yeah, and these are these are his weaknesses. I think he was in that, was it? Yeah, he's 12th over the last eight weeks for scrambling, ranked in this field. I think he was in the top three for scrambling at Quail Hollow. So. It's, yeah, much improved. Yeah. It's, I, 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 Victor's my top pick this week. I'd, yeah. I would definitely be on Rory, but the, the price is just that, that little bit of, uh, it just didn't connect right with, with where I wanted it to be. It's just, it, if I could get a, a Paul's prices, <clears throat> I'll be all over it, but eleven to one is um, yeah, whatever. So look, Victor's been in my head for a couple of weeks for this, and I just had a note on my phone saying it's glaringly obvious. You know, you've got to got to go with that. Uh, follow past Barry's uh, call and shout on it, and just everything about Victor's game at the moment. His last two outings have been third. His uh, approach play in his last event, Steve, as you mentioned, that stat about being in the top 10 of um, approach for the previous outing. He was 10th, I think you said. Um, yeah, he was 10th for, 10th for greens in regulation as well. Yeah, all, all and, all, and all the work and the improvement of the different areas of his game that were weaknesses, he seems to be pulling it together. And I really love, the, I really love his attitude. He, even when he has like bogeys or disasters on um, in a tournament doesn't seem to bother him you know he just kind of shrugs smirks and gets on with it so um, he, get, he gets 
He gets better as the tournament progresses as well. Yeah. Valspar, top 10 on Saturday for scoring, and he topped scoring on Sunday, a 65. And then you go to Quell Hollow. He was tied for fourth for scoring on the Saturday, and he was second for scoring on the Sunday, just behind Abraham Anser. He gets better as the tournament progresses. As the pressure ratchets up, he plays better. He's played five majors in his career, and his worst finishing position is 33rd. Yeah, and he won the US Amateur at Pebble Beach by the coast in California. His whole history, his best performances tend to be by the coast. As Paul said, two PGA Tour victories, both on seaside golf courses on Paspal and Greens. It, it all lines up, doesn't it? It's, it's almost like too good. It's almost too obvious, yeah. That's what's scary. <laughs> and that's, that's usually the thing that turns me off, but I'm in on it this week, so I have no regrets. Even if he completely tanks, I have no regrets. I, I, I didn't dodge it to be obtuse. So, Victor. I think we start to part ways middle of these prices. I, I know that you're on some different players to me. My nemesis has always been someone like Paul Casey. I, I, there's no way I'm putting up. I think I also read in Dave Tyndall's piece, eight PGA, out of the last 10, eight have been under 30 and eight have been 30 to 40 in terms of age. Mm. Don't ever, and you've always said this, Barry, don't ever back to win players that are over 40 at American-based majors. Because mm. um, I was going to mention my nemesis, Paul Casey, whose numbers were really good at the last outing, but I'm, I'm not backing. They always are. That's the how one he lures that I, you in. He, he does. The one that I... Plenty got lured in at the Masters. That didn't go overly well. Um that's not to say he doesn't play well, because I think this course will suit Casey. I've actually gone, and the, this guy, these guys' numbers, I couldn't ignore them, because if this guy actually went on to win, I would absolutely kill myself, I think. Last week, strokes going off the tee fourth, approach seventh, tee to green fourth. He was fourth for greens in regulation, first for ball striking, second for total driving, fourth for all round. He's also finished second on Paspalum Greens in Puerto Rico in 2019. I love the link with PJ National, the Honda Classic. There was a great link between the players that did well there in 2012. I mean, I'm talking Justin Rose, McElroy's obvious. Um, even Ian Poulto, top five. They've all got decent finishes at the Honda Classic. Um, there's one that I've missed. Apologies to that individual. Um, oh, Pete, oh, oh uh, the guy from Wigan, David Lynn, who finished second. Mm. He's finished thir- He's finished in the top five of the Honda Classic in 2013, the only year he played on the PGA Tour. This guy, Daniel Berger, has also got an amazing record at the Honda Classic. He's finished second there and fourth last time two years ago. So Berger, yeah. Uh, I think he's top 20 total driving on the tour. He can get it out there 300 plus. I wouldn't say he's super, super long, but I think he's long enough. If you were looking at fairway gain numbers, Berger's right up there with someone like an Abraham Answer. I think Berger's got a run in him. Um, He'll miss the cut, I expect. He missed the cut at the Masters. But you can't say that the guy isn't progressing slowly but surely. Um, he's very, very close, I think, to getting in the in the Ryder Cup team for America this year. A good major would certainly um, push that in the right direction. He's finished 12th and 13th at the last two PGA Championships, and I think he's playing better these days than he was then. 
So Berger's in for me. 30 to 1, William Hill again, nine places each way. Who else in this area have you two gone for? I know that you've gone for one, Baron. I have a few more. <laughs> Go on. Give, give, us the T4, just... give us the T4 story. Come on. Uh, who next? I, I, I like Larry, Leishman, Big Gary. You know, this is I'm, I'm kind of in um, a decision mode where I will wait till tomorrow to see if there's any draw bias in the, the forecast. It seems reasonably consistent in how it's been all week in terms of quiet, you know, calm enough in the mornings and windy in the afternoon. But I'm going to hang on a little bit longer and just see if there's any draw bias to help me fine tune those. Um, Larry's tee to green game has been really, really, really good recently, and he seems uh, saying he's you know happily settled now in the states and you know feels like something good is coming and he's been a bit quiet since his open championship win which he's still the reigning champion uh until july so um we don't need to talk about a short game it's that good so yeah i I, i'm i'm pretty pretty convinced i'll be back in larry and um whether i back big gary or not doesn't really matter he's already a winner in my mind uh from the u.s open so haven't you already backed t4 tony I have I have T4 Tony backed yeah from from Anti Post and it's sort of along the insurance lines of Xander. Yep. Um, yep. What was it? What was the stat I had last week? It was eight of his last twelve majors for Tony has been in the top. He's been in the top ten. So yep. that's that. If he keeps up that strike rate, it's um, it's phenomenal. So and his price has just leaked out now. Yeah. There are the concerns. Uh, the game wasn't amazing the last couple of outings, but um, that's kind of nice because built into his price because it's hard to stomach backing him at twenty-five to one. So now you're kind I know, of getting. I know. I noticed they haven't leaked Tony's price out that much, really. Considering not much, but in the no. thirty, in the thirties, which is acceptable. yeah, that's where you want to back him. Yeah, yeah, acceptable. Yeah, yeah so. Anything thirties to fifties at a major Tony Fee now. T4, yeah, with, yeah, with ten places based on a sixty-six percent uh, place mm. uh, return. Yeah, agreed. I have too many players in my mind. This is dangerous, you know. Just you just end up going, "Ooh, I fancy him." Put a bet on. Ooh, I fancy him. Put a, you know. So, um, got, I got got to cut it off at some stage. I have a couple of long shots, but we'll get to that later on in the pod. Mm. I've lumped, I've lumped on Will Zalatoris at 50-1 to 1 with Paddy Power on the 10 places. If you're looking for momentum, he was outstanding last week. Absolutely outstanding. First for strokes gain and approach. Third for tee to green. First for greens in regulation. Sixth for scrambling. He started off with a 70 where he was basically getting lapped by the field who was shooting 61s and God knows what. He then went 68, 67, 67. So when that actual um, course got the most difficult it got, which wasn't overly difficult, but it was still in 25 miles an hour wind, Salatoris shot 67, which was tied 7th best in the field. He was actually across, I think, the weekend, he was only four shots off KH Lee. Yeah, it was super impressive at the Masters, wasn't it? Yeah, we all observed how well he adapted to that and how... He just you know, kept going, didn't you? You kind of expected him to, to be one of these uh, players who you know, poked ahead on the leaderboard and just drifted away, but he didn't. He was 
He was, he was sixth at the US Open and second on debut at the Masters. And I reckon, you know, like last year, everyone was getting real. Oh, Matthew Wolf's got top tens in his first. Everyone was crawling all over Matthew Wolf. Oh, he's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. Da, da, da. He dominates majors. And then I think he missed the cut of the next one. If anybody's Salvatore's, not reading into I'm, this, Steve has I'm got hit- burned by Wolf, right? <laughs> I was, yeah. I'm hearing nothing about Zalatoris whatsoever this week. No one seems interested in so that's all good. Happy with that. Those numbers are kind of the numbers that players like Morikawa, the numbers they performed at before they won the PGA. So yeah, Zalatoris, and then triple digit Gary Woodland. It's just got to be, isn't it? Yeah. A 2019 major winner who's finished in the top 10 in two of his last three outings. When I was writing his tip on Sunday, he was 125 to 1 with Boyle Sports, 10 places each way, Gary Woodland. And I just knew that I, that would disappear, and it literally disappeared within an hour on Sunday. Yeah, but um, 100 to 1 on Gary Woodland. He shot an opening round 67 here in very calm conditions back in 2012. And Gary Woodland back then was, I think that was his, that was the year he made, he actually potentially won his, I think that was, he hadn't been on the tour that long in 2012, put it that way. He wasn't as well-rounded a player as he is now. Wins by the coast, Pebble Beach, US Open winner. Great finishes at Kapalua, Wailai. He's actually got a seaside golf course heritage. He's got the. I was also when I played with the predictor model. Uh, Gary jumped straight into the top five statistically, and I just couldn't move him, which is a good no, sign. There's, there's lots he, of fit, he, he fits, doesn't he? And Gary Woodland. You just look at Gary Woodland where he plays well. He often plays well on courses that Rory McIlroy plays well on. Because I think they've got very similar games, but clearly McIlroy can perform to a better level with the scrambling and the putting, much more consistently than Gary can. But game shape, not dissimilar in my view. No. I think he's in similar overall form to when he won back in uh, 2019 at the US Open. He got uh, got two or three top tens in the season prior to that. He's... As you said, he's had a couple of top tens over his last few starts yeah. as well. So might have had a slightly Sim- longer run in back then, but I'm just yeah. thinking back to it. The, you know, but yeah, very similar. And about bo- bo- <laughs> mentioned that it's a bonus that McElroy uh, kind of got Pete Cowan to come have a look at his swing because it also meant mm-hmm. that Woodland could get to say you know Pete Cowan to have a look as well. So and it seems to have turned him around. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it was a strong outing at Quail Hollow, wasn't it? Sixth and eighth in uh, the PGA Championship over the last three years as well. I was, uh, lots of light with Woodland. I'm, I mean, I, I got, it must have been slightly earlier odds, I got 110 to 1 with eight places, but I missed out on the 125. As you said, Steve, that was uh, a very fleeting price with 10 places. The exact word I was going to use, fleeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woodland's numbers were very, very, very strong at Quail Hollow. Bearing in mind, he was kind of, even partway through the back nine, he was, he was kind of there with McElroy. He wasn't a million miles away. 11th for total driving, 10th for ball striking, 2nd for scrambling, sign me up, 2nd for all round. 
Strokes gained tee to green eighth, and he was also in the top 20 for putting. And actually, Gary's putting has been a lot better this season. It's been his strengths that have been the weakness, if you see what I mean. His ball striking. And like you say, all of a sudden, a few chats with Butch and a few chats with Pete, and it's all coming together. Yeah, he's a dangerous um, player this week for a three-figure shot, I must say. Oh yeah, not quite right. three figures anymore, but still available at some nice combinations of uh, just for the listeners yeah. now at, at odds and places. So Paddy Power have them at eighty to one ten places. Uh, so yeah, there's there's some still I would call that value based on what he's got going for him. If if you're looking for an open angle, and I'll shut up after this and let you go through the long shots, I don't think Matt Wallace is a bad shout because we know that he's grinding and playing very well at the moment. Mm. Also, Lee Westwood was percolating last week. Um, had some a nice cup, uh, a nice round on the Friday. Some of his numbers were wasn't really it? strong. Yeah, again, Ryder Cup year could really do. I know he's been playing outstandingly well. Another sort of top 10 in a major this week would um, kind of be poking Padraig in the uh, in the tummy saying, you've got to include me, captain. Got to include me in the team this year. Would you take every bet of yours losing to see Westwood win? He wins the Open. I've told you that. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's winning the... I, I told you weeks ago that Rory would win at Quail Hollow, didn't back him. And I've been saying for months that Lee Westwood would win at Sandwich. Who did you say was going to win this? Um, I've been saying for quite yeah. a while. I, th- I thought Victor Hovland was always um, he's he's my top pick this week. Everything's lining up for a missed cut. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing the only thing wrong with the, the, the my pick of Hovland, independent of you, is the fact that you have a bet on. It's just <laughs> maybe maybe we'll be maybe we'll be having a uh, a few um, toasts together on Sunday night though. Let's see. You guys have got some bigger prices. I know Paul's got some wicked ones, so let's get through those for the uh, listeners. Mm, yeah, I've got I've got three that I've put up on the site, so you can read my long shots preview on there um, if you so desire. I've backed uh, Billy Horschel at 125 to one with nine places um, with William Hill, and I, I guess you know different ways. I, I I tend to cut the data a number of ways when I start looking at fields, and uh, one way I tend to start is to just append the world rankings against the data and see where that looks in terms of pricing and Horschel just stood out for me um, 18th in the world 125 to 1 if you look either side Matt Fitzpatrick um, 60 to 1 um, is 17th and Abraham Anser at 19th at 55 to 1 so Horschel's double the price of those players double and a bit never yeah. ever gets taken seriously and he's no, won no. a WGC within the last 8 weeks well exactly you look at the between those two, Matt Fitzpatrick, Abraham, they're both talented guys, don't get me wrong. Um, but no PJ Tour wins between them. Um, Horschel's got six. As you just said, one of them's a WGC very recently. The other one's a Tour Championship. Mm. It's um, it, it just doesn't quite add up to me. He's, he's very close to the career high of his um, world ranking at the moment because of that WGC win. Um, he was also second at the WGC Workday earlier this year as well. So he's got some good... Well, excellent um, form at top level, um, elite level performance or, or events over the last uh, few weeks and months. Uh, 
his performance in USPGAs. He's made the cut in the last seven consecutive USPGAs that he's played. So it's not no disaster there. Um, fourth in the US Open back in 2013. Uh, two wins at TBC Louisiana over the years. Pete Dye, that, that's a WGC match play mm. um, uh, event was on a Pete Dye track as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And fourth halfway to, uh, at Harbour Town in his last uh, solo outing, another Pete Dye track. Yep, and, goes uh, well he, there to Harbour Town. He does, yeah. Fourth, mm. um, what, fourth at the uh, Zurich Classic with uh, Sam Burns. Sam Burns has been absolutely flying since, hasn't he? Um, perhaps that'll inspire him. I, everything that I looked at added up to... Just a, a, a simple bet on Billy Horshaw at, at the price, 125 to 1. So, like William, William Hill, with respect, William Hill got Garrick Hicko up at 80 to 1 and mm. Billy Horshaw at 125 to 1. Yeah. Madness. Yeah. It is. I mean, again, Hicko, you can make an awful lot of uh, a case for him because of his, his coastal form, his passable form over in the European Tour. But it's his first major championship. Yeah. He's coming over here, and you know there's a hell of a lot of expectation on him, and there's there's a lot of money riding on him. And, you know, a lot of people have backed him. I've I've seen a lot of people talking about him and backing him at various prices, but uh, at the prices out there, and um, Horschel for me, absolutely. Uh, so Horschel's in. Uh, Stuart Sink I've backed at 160 to one with eight places. Um, another one with Pete Dye winning form three times at Harbour Town quite recently as well. Over well, just a few weeks back, wasn't it? Uh, so we've seen something of a resurgence with with Sink because um, he went ten years after that Turnberry win without any win whatsoever, and you kind of thought he was meandering towards the senior tour. Um, Forty seven now, but um, beat Harry Higgs at the Safeway last autumn to kind of um, give kickstart his career again. Then got that seventh regular PGA Tour win last month at uh, at Hilton Head and back into the world's top fifty now. Um, still got some game as well. Twenty third. On tour for driving distance was a bit yeah. of an eye opener for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you, you talked uh, one of the one of the stats you said right at the start when you were describing the course um, about approaches over two hundred yards. He tops greens in regulation for over two hundred yards on the tour for the season to date. And so again, yeah, the price sign me up. Great top, bet. T- top twenty bet. Stuart Sink, he's three to one with Betfred right now. He's six to one with Paddy Power. I think mm. top twenty bet, six to one, Stuart Sink, cracking bet. Well, he was twelfth at the Masters, wasn't he? Um, yeah, absolutely. Harbour Town, absolutely. Um, won the Open Championship, third in each of the other majors over the years. Fourth last time he played yep. the PGA Championship. As you say, if, six to one for a top twenty. To a top twenty, that you know, if you want a safe, a safer. Lower stakes or uh, you know lower odds, lower six to one for a top twenty for sink. Wow, madness! So yeah, mm. Horschel's in, sinks in. The other one is a little bit more, well, a lot more speculative. And <laughs> <laughs> the jazz man, the jazz man, yeah, jazz uh, Jan Watson and Nond, the uh, the young tie, the talented tie, five hundred yeah. to one. I took the seven places. Now you've got a whole plethora of. And prices available on Jazz, so you can have two hundred and fifty to one for 10, 10 places or above. Um, there's four hundred to one with eight places, um, but I took five. For me, the discount five hundred to one with seven or four hundred to one with eight. I got you know I've got to take the extra hundred points for one place. Just didn't quite. Uh oh. So I expect he finishes in the tie for eighth now, and I'll just be yep. banging my head. Uh oh. 
Paul. Each for their own. <laughs> what did we discuss about maximum golden. places? I thought we I thought uh, we'd gone through this a couple of weeks ago. Barry, that's a hundred points though. I'll also mention, points. listeners, he's fourteen to one for a top twenty. But go through your reasoning because yeah. I remember him being quite close to the top of a leaderboard at Beth Page two years ago in he the was, PGA yeah. Championship. Yeah, I mean, by that point, uh, Brooks was was home and hosed, wasn't he? He was seven or eight shots clear. But yeah, he was second going into the Sunday back at uh, Beth Page Black, and uh, he was doing doing well all the way up to about the twelfth hole, and then he just uh, just collapsed after that. I think he made, I think he was seven over something like that for the final seven holes. So. Finishing a tie for 14th in the end. But that's his best um, major championship performance. He's won three times since on the Korean or the Asian tours. And it's actually, if you look at his overall record, seven wins since the start of uh, 2017 in 118 starts. That's a good conversion rate. Clearly at a um, lower level than this. Um, but he's finding his feet. He's, uh, you know, if he's, he's got himself into a contending position or a semi-contending position notwithstanding Brooks back in 2019. That's good uh, good experience for him. Uh, seventh into Sunday at the Arnold Palmer recently, and that was another bad final day, a really bad final day. But if you look at his um, his performances over the last two European Tour events that he's played, he's finished second and 11th. And over those two events, he's closed with a 64 and a 66. So perhaps he's getting his head around this final day or these final day demons that he's, uh, that he's experienced over the last... Uh, last few years and months um, 66 to close at the Belfry last week it was only beaten by another couple of players in the film and field and his, his game his, his strokes game game seems to be trending positively as well so uh, for a player who's a long long way down the list who could just pop up and uh, and give us some uh, give us some joy at an each way price but please finish seventh rather than eighth chance <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just, you're already begging. You know it's trouble. You need to go back him at nine hundred on the exchange right now, Paul. But I mean, I probably can say this. I say this knowing you've already done that. So it's. <laughs> you might be able to trade Jazz if he's leading going down the eighteenth on by Sunday. twelve shots. <laughs> yeah, by twelve <laughs> shots. You might you be m- able to get. You might be able to trade him at that point. You might. Well, you might yeah. get four point seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you joke, but the um, yeah, the you know the experience. Uh, apart from the last couple of outings, as I said in the European Tour, the experience has tended to be um, a struggle on a Sunday. But um, you know, the, the flip side of that, as I said, he's won seven times. Um, you know, a, a conversion rate of just under seven percent over the you know since the start of twenty seventeen is is a good, solid number. Far better than a lot of others can uh, can boast. So, so yeah, they're my three: Jazz, Stuart Sink, and Billy Horshaw at longer prices. And of course, I have also backed um, Gary Woodland as well. Um, so, they're my players. You, you got some long shots there, Barry. I have a couple. Yeah, I, I backed uh, Schwartzel over the weekend when he was in the hunt. Uh, mm. He was just he's just been hitting the ball so well, tee to green. Yeah, and. The beautiful thing is that he got off uh, Bermuda uh, greens, which he seems to absolutely hate. He had he hit seventy nine percent of his greens last week and was plus point six seven three in strokes gained putting, which is very prob- precise. Well, I you know I went and did my research as uh, mm. a little bit of it. So I got him at one hundred twenty five to one eleven places, which was it. It just looks incredible now. I feel like I've won already. Um, I'm backing him with money he's already won me so it's just a free bet 
Uh, he's he's gone a lot shorter now than that, but so uh, I'm happy to be on board. Carry on. Um, another one that kind of a couple that kind of caught my eye. Look, full disclosure, I backed Ricky. I I can't. It's I spent so long backing him at like the silly low numbers. Um, I called his win at the players six years ago, so I just don't care. I've backed him. If, if you know he shot five under last week, he's actually driving the ball quite well. He's gone. After a silly little experiment with all sorts of weird putters, he sorted his head out and he's back to old faithful. So, yeah, look, let's we know we can play in the wind. Blah 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 blah. Uh, Ricky backed him, so um, yeah, I, I expect the abuse when it fails, but whatever. Um, <laughs> We're saying nothing, which, which says what, volumes. What? He's he's what's over hundred to one. He's over hundred to one. So yeah, like whatever, three, you know. Three figures generally, isn't he? So. He got the special fifty on the exchange. Yeah, yeah, I backed him in the exchange as well. Like, why not? <laughs> it's just too, it's too juicy to not. He got the special exemption. There's just you know, a few little things running for him. So let's see what happens. Um, the other one I backed is uh, Victor Perez. Oh yeah. So yeah, I mean Victor, we know can handle the wind. Uh, he's f- fourth in the match play recently. Uh, mm-hmm. He finished ninth at the players, another Pete Dye design. And, you know, we, we got to assume, um, without me reading too many of his interviews, that he's quite focused on getting onto the Ryder Cup team. You know, it, it's surely in his uh, in his targets or his crosshairs for this year. Must so, be. Um, he's, well in, he's well in the qualifying place at the moment. Paul yeah, and I so, said, though, what, what, we were talking about him the other week. He hasn't played this no. side of the Masters, is he? That's that's the killer. Actually, he has had a long layoff. So, who knows what he's been up to? Um, mm, Victor Victor Perez um, outside of golf pastimes with hopefully a bit of uh, practice in the wind um, and on possible. But the you know he's he's out there available at um, a variety of high prices, starting from one seventy five to one for eleven places, two hundred to one for ten places, and a couple of bookmakers. So you can have your pick there. Um, so that was one. Another one I was looking at was Taylor Gooch. Um, not a huge amount going for him, but he does have a fifth of the players and uh, this year, and is eleventh in scrambling on tour. So, just a couple of things there for um, a fun two hundred and fifty to one bet. I mean, look if these if these things give you any value at all, it's great. If they tank. Like whatever, it's just they're the small little bets, aren't they? Just for yeah. the extra fun of the week. Yeah, just someone catches your eye at a, yeah. a silly long, long price. I can't stop myself looking frame. down there. We can't. We're just we're <laughs> always hunting for that mega value. Does uh, does one does one first round leader bet? I'm interested. Uh, kind of popped in my head last night, and I just threw it on. Uh, Podrick Harrington, 150 to one. Played well here the last time. Last week hit 18 of 18 greens on Thursday. And then everything disintegrated for him on Friday. So that was all short game and putting based. So in his little um, post week uh, Twitter video, said he was really grinding hard on the short game. So I mean, the long game, if he's hitting 18 greens in regulation, the long game is in great shape. He hit 12 of 14 fairways. And uh, yeah. So that was Not that. Like Paddy to be struggling with his scrambling game, but that's his weakness at the moment. Bizarre. That's yeah. I mean, and look, it's so, he's something he's been so good at, and so mm. he can will uh, scrambles to happen. So I, I think like I'm backing him to figure it out. It's 150 to one. So if it tanks, so what? Barry, of the big names, who is your fade of the week? 
Who I'd fade hmm, Ram, Thomas. Um Yeah, both of them. Double fade of the week. Ram and Thomas. Yeah. Couldn't agree. More. And you've already done your fade of the week, haven't you, Paul? Thomas for me. Yeah. Thomas I I, I can't go near him until until I see something positive coming out of that putting. Um it's it's gonna be on the uh on the avoid list. I don't think Ram I don't think Ram, Thomas, DJ or Bryson win. No, nor do I. I wouldn't like the they, only two the only two of the top six the only two of the top six that win this are Rory or Jordan. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um but uh you know, we've talked it out uh, over to the listeners to kinda take all that and add to their own Absolutely. little bits and pieces and make their own uh, choices for the week. Should be a great week. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the five star reviews that we get a plethora of from the, from our valuable listeners this week. So that's my challenge to the listeners: more five star reviews, please. That'd be absolutely fantastic to drive us towards the U.S. Open, which is only I think four weeks away, or five weeks away, something like that. Yeah. So um, thick and it fast. Won't be long. This time they do come thick and fast. I think that's it, gentlemen. I um, wish you the very very best of luck with your bets this week. Yeah, best of luck, guys. You too, Steve. And same to all the listeners. Good luck. Bets, DraftKings. Yeah, it would be fantastic, wouldn't it? It's good. should be a good tournament. Um, thank uh, I, Again, I wish you, listeners, all the very best of luck for this week. And we'll be back next week for, I believe, on the PJ2, it's the Charles Swab Challenge. And where are you, Paul? Yep. It's the Made in Himaland next week, which is uh, Catchy. Denmark, I think. Catchy. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're next to the dairy and the um the processed pig factory over in, in I, Denmark. I yeah? think um yeah, I think it's just a rename of the made in Denmark. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I'll need to pay a little bit more attention then, I think. Lovely. Thank you for your time, gents. Thank you to the listeners. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips And so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf